Today's episode of The Beginning of the End is sponsored by Axel Brewing Company. Axel Brewing is making great beer in the Detroit area in the time-honored craft beer tradition with an eye toward innovation and an independent spirit. Enjoy any of their six beers, Red, Wit, Porter, IPA, Frank Black IPA, and Ruby Red IPA. Check them all out at axelbrewing.com. Before we start, get the kids out of the room. You've been warned. Okay, here we go. I met Satori Shakur back in 2011 while hosting the Moth Story Slam here in Detroit. The theme that night was vices. And she hit the stage and tore the roof off the joint. Here's a taste. <laughs> well, uh, my vice is my feet. I'm addicted to foot massages. Um, God put two little vaginas in my feet. And if you rub it long enough, I have a foot gasm. And I... <laughs> I would go to the pedicure place and got one of them men to put his thumb in the G-spot of my feet. Oh, Lord. (laughs) I was spending like almost $300 a month and and so I had to like, you know, quit my other vices. I quit uh, smoking cigarettes. I uh, reduced my weed budget. I... (laughs) And uh, um, <laughs> I stopped going every two weeks to the hairdresser. I locked my hair. And if you know anything about black women, that was a bold move on my part. She became an instant moth superstar. <laughs> and, and they flew her all around the country. And she did appearances and blew many minds, I'm sure. And currently, she is the executive producer of the Secret Society of Twisted Storytellers, an event that she created that incorporates stories, dance, film, and all kinds of things. And tons of people show up in Detroit every month to see it. She's also an actress, plays the violin. And if that weren't enough, in the late 70s, she was one of the Brides of Funkenstein, a group that came out of the George Clinton world. One more reason why I love and respect this woman. Anyway, she's a true force of nature. Soulful, sensual, in a way that many of us can't get to but are totally attracted to, you know? So the first story I heard Satori tell was about her feet. Today's story is about another body part, her breasts, and the big choice she had to face. From WDET in Detroit, this is the beginning of the end. Stories about when, how, and why things end. I'm Alex Trujano. Thanks for listening. And on today's episode, The End of Pride. Here's the story. I was exhausted, and I decided that I was going to go on vacation just to unwind. And a friend of mine told me that Negril, Jamaica, is the spot to chill. You know, take a book, a bathing suit, and just unwind on the beach. And that's exactly what I did. I boarded that plane. I landed in the grill, and she told me, go to Jackie's on the cliffs as soon as you get there. Book a massage. It will set the tone for your vacation. So I get the Jackie's on the cliff the very next morning, and it's palatial, overlooking the Caribbean Sea. It's got soft music playing through the airy spaces with big beds and hammocks and books and juice bars. 
to just relax. Everything was calling for me to relax, but my mind was busy, busy, busy racing with the things that are back in Detroit that I could do nothing about because I was in the grill. And finally, I was called for my massage, which happens right on the beach, out in the open with the elements, nude. And I'm laying there, and she's massaging me and massaging me, and she gets to my breast, and it occurs to me, hmm, I haven't had a mammogram in four years. I wonder if she found, found a lump in my breast, would she tell me? Then she says, I find two little knots under your left arm. You know, maybe nothing, you know, maybe just a muscle, but when you get back home, check it out. Hmm. So I decided, yeah, okay, when I get back home, I'll check it out. Well, I'm unwinding over the next three or four days. I get three or four more massages, and no one finds any little knots under my left arm, so I really relax. And it's almost uh, a day before I'm going to be leaving to go back to Detroit, and I decide to book my own kind of—I created my own kind of tour with these three Rastas— Barry Congo, Dr. Scott, and Colin Lazarus. And we went up to the Roaring River and the caves and into the bush where the Rastas community is. And then I boarded a plane back to Detroit the next morning. And I got back home two weeks before my Obamacare ran out. So I booked an appointment to get a mammogram. And they find some microcalcifications in her right breast, so she gets a biopsy. You know, 80% of women, is, it's nothing, but, you know, we're, we're, we're checking for that 20%. Okay, that's fine. And up there on the biopsy table for two hours, I guess you have a lot to ponder because they're checking for signs of cancer. What will you do? What if they have to do a mastectomy? What if you die? What if... What if... And I began to consider each of those what-ifs, and I just kept coming up with, if I'm going to die, then I need to train people to do what I do so that the Secret Society of Twisted Storytellers can perpetuate itself into the future. So I said, well, what if you have to get a mastectomy? And I imagine myself as this Amazon woman, this dreadlocked, strong, muscular woman who willingly removed her right breast so that her bow and her aim with the arrow is sure and true. By the time I got off the biopsy table, I was ready for them to tell me whatever they needed to tell me, whether I was going to die, mastectomy, whatever else it was, I was, I was prepared for the news. So the nurse called me, and she said, we do see some signs of cancer in your right breast. I didn't feel numb. I just felt I had some information. And it was almost like it was a story that my life was telling, and I was somewhere way above the story watching it play out. I did not have an emotional reaction at this point. And then an appointment was made with a surgeon to take a closer look. She says, well, you have stage zero, non-invasive, 
breast cancer, DCIS. And I'm like, woo! And I was like high-fiving everybody, stage zero, that's nothing. Non-invasion, what does that mean? Well, it's, it's, just in, it's just small calcifications and they're doing nothing. They're not invading into the breast tissue or anything like that. And, and uh, so what we recommend is a lumpectomy, seven weeks of radiation, and uh, tamoxifen, which is an estrogen inhibitor because estrogen is what feeds the, the cancer. At this point, you'd think with the news she just received, she would simple things down in her life a bit and take a breath. Well, Satori is super passionate about her work. She's always working. It's what defines her. So naturally, she tries to figure out how to work in the lumpectomy around producing her Twisted Storyteller shows, around hosting the Moth at the UVM campus, and a myriad of other projects. So she starts to think it out. I got the numbers. Well, it's 50-50. It's 50 that it will progress, 50 that it won't. It's, we, we have no idea that if we do do the lumpectomy and the follow-up treatments that it won't come back or come back somewhere else. And there's no guarantee that if we do nothing that it will show up. <laughs> so it was really sitting at 50-50. And I began to think about 50-50, should I open my body up for surgery and uh, radiation and a, a drug that has side effects that are scarier than the 50% what-if? And I canceled it. In favor of a more holistic medical approach. Treatment outside of Western medical profession is costly because it's out of pocket. The Western medicine machine is bigger, stronger, louder. It has billions. If you go to natural doctors, they're usually in a small office. And, you know, they look like quacks because they don't have the sheen and the polish and shine of billion-dollar industry cancer. So it started with a nutritionist. She got her vitamin D up. She got chelation therapy, which is a process which removes heavy metals like lead, mercury, and calcium from the body. She did thermography, which uses infrared light to measure temperature differences on the surface of the breast. It was a real turning point for her. I did a lot of things for myself. I educated myself with, with books and literature and talking to other people. I made myself available to be a partner in my own healing. Satori's whole approach began to change. She started to take control of her situation in a deeper way, and not in that kind of like day-to-day booking doctor appointments sort of way, but in a way where her art and spirituality came together in this really interesting way. I was back in Jamaica in January when the phone rang and the nurse called from Henry Ford Hospital saying, um, Hi, Jeanette, because that's my legal name. Hi, Jeanette. I just wanted to find out how you're doing. And, and I said, oh, I'm doing great. I'm laying on the beach in Jamaica. Oh, and I said, how are you? She says, I'm fine, but really, it's how are you? And right there, the story of her voice, that song, that sad dirge of us, you know, you feel sorry for me or there's some kind of way you need to speak. I rejected that story and I told her, I said, look, can you take that story out of your voice? What are you talking about? I said, I asked you how you were doing and you pushed that aside like, and asked me, how are you? You know, and that's not who I am. That's not my relationship to this stage zero breast cancer, my relationship with the breast cancer is that it is a conversation with God. And a story being told. 
And the two main characters of the story are her and the cells. You know, they're sort of like roommates, each having an effect on the other's life. And they're sort of forced to work with each other, to coexist. It's kind of like when I was in Jamaica the first time and Colin Lazarus took me up into the bush and he showed me this 400-year-old tree with branches as big as a love seat and a couch and some sectionals. I wanted to walk right up to the tree and, and look up, 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 up to see its leaves towering above me like a, like a skyscraper. And he says, no, 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 there's wafts, there's a wafts nest. And I go, oh, oh, and I started to, you know, get defensive in my posture. And I said, well, let's go somewhere else. He said, no, no, no. They know about you, you know, you know about them. They know about you. We just sit, yeah, right here on a tree, tree, and we talk. And that's what we did. And we coexisted with the wasps and everything else in nature. And that's how I thought of my body. It is there every morning waiting for me. It's there all throughout my day, helping me make healthier choices. I'm giving myself better food. I'm giving myself better rest. I'm doing more with exercise. And I look more beautiful. People think I'm 40 years old. People are shocked when I tell them when my real age. I have more energy. I have more zest. I have more fire because I'm giving my body exactly what it needs so that it can be balanced. And I became better. So later, she sought out a second opinion and had an MRI which showed the cells, still stage zero, non-invasive, were in an area under the nipple that made it impossible for a lumpectomy to work, which only left the option for a mastectomy with no chemo, radiation, or tamoxifen. Mastectomy was like the best thing that I could hope for. Yay, a mastectomy, and they're going to do a reconstructive surgery right there on the table? Yay! I'm going to have to tell the plastic surgeon to, to make me a breast that was going to look like the one I have at 70s, because I can't, you know, have a droopy breast on my shoe and a stripper breast on the right side, so. She thought about all the things she has going on with the secret society, which is her baby, as she describes it. It's getting bigger and bigger. She doesn't want the worry of the possible progression of the cells and everything that might take away from all she has to do. So she makes the decision to get the mastectomy. But there was more to that decision than just the procedure. What do I want to do in ceremony, and celebration, in, in, in honor of it? And I thought, you know, you know, I would want someone to see it. I had done that the following year. I put a picture of my breast on Facebook, and uh, three hours later, the Facebook morality police snatched it down. The comments were amazing. They were so hilarious. Um, but I wanted to preserve the beauty of its symmetry. So I, uh, I said, well, what do I do? And I thought, well, first, I'm not in a relationship, an intimate relationship with a man. Um, but if I were, I would want to, to, to have that man see the, my breast, to kiss it, to fondle it, to, to celebrate it, and for me to feel for the last time what that might feel like. And I would want to lay with my whole naked body in the arms of a man in his whole naked body to feel all of my f parts of my femaleness in communion with a man in celebration of the leaving of my breast. We gonna pray, we gonna pray, we gonna pray. 
we come back, a ceremony to say goodbye to a part of your body. After a word from our sponsor. This is the beginning of the end. Meet Dan Riley and Scott King of Axel Brewing Company, based right here in the Detroit area. Dan's the president and Scott is the brewer. Dan's a former media exec that drives a Volvo. And Scott is the unshaven artist type who quotes Frank Zappa and grows most of his own food. They kind of remind me of the odd couple. Here's Scott. I'm not a salesman. I'm not a businessman. And I tried it for a long time and I failed. And here's Dan. Me traditionally being a suit and a middle management executive, um, I thought he was probably a guy I'd like to have a beer with and argue about music and books and politics. (laughs) But what I found out is that really they're not all that dissimilar. And together, they're making some really good beer. The very first meeting we had, we started talking about literature and music and, and bikes. We talked about a lot of things that didn't have anything to do with beer, and we established you know, a real strong baseline of, of common ground. And this common ground led to crafting a selection of beers that will accompany you when you do the things you love to do. I think the funny thing is the common ground are some of the things that beer is around. And it's books and music and art and life and stories and you know I think if I was a brewer we'd be driving each other nuts and if he was a marketer he'd be driving me nuts (laughs) you can learn more about all of their beers at axelbrewing.com all right back to the show this is the beginning of the end I'm Alex Trujano after being diagnosed with stage zero breast cancer Satori Shakur weighed the options and decided to have her right breast removed and along with that decision a ceremony to say goodbye. There are three men that live in three different countries and one that lives in Detroit that I could ask, would they hold me and go through this ceremony in trust, um, even though I'm not in relationship with them. And the next morning, I approached one of them and I said, I have a request and I want you to say only yes. And he says, you, I can't say no. And I said, I don't want you to say no. I said, but I do want you to feel as comfortable saying yes as I do in asking. And I said to him, I want to get into your, in your bed, and I want you to hold me until I cry every single tear that is in me to cry. And I want that to happen today. So I arrive at his home, and he takes my hand and helps me up the steps. And I finish my last call of the day and turn off the ringer and ask him where is his bedroom. Though I'd been to his home before, the bedroom was not a place I would ever, ever occur to me to to visit. Um, And he takes me there, but outside of the door is a three-dimensional sculpture of a slave, naked, in a fetal position, open wounds on his back, shackled, and the title of it is Forced. And I gaze at it and look at it for a while, and I saw myself, I said, that's the way I feel, you know, minus the wounds, the shackles, and the chains, I feel emotionally in a fetal position. And I get into his bedroom and I begin to remove my clothes and he began to fold the clothes that I removed and actually gave me this little 
a little house coat and tied the tie around me like I was a little five-year-old getting ready to go to school. Or, and I, I loved the fatherly care that I was being introduced to. So I get in the bed, he gets in the bed, and I, I immediately hug up to him, and the tears were just waiting there, and I just began to cry. She never told him that she was having a mastectomy because she didn't want him to say yes out of pity. And after all the tears were gone. I tell him, and he begins to reassure me that, uh, that I'm a beautiful woman, and uh, with or without the breast, I'm, I'm beautiful. He tells me about a first wife who died of breast cancer uh, that he just buried. And then he begins to tell me his life story. Three hours pass and everything is on the table. Have you ever just let go and shared every secret, every fear, and every story inside you with someone in a vulnerable moment? I mean, not just anyone, but a person that you decide to give everything you have to in a way that, like, transcends the meaning of intimacy. Well, that's exactly how Satori describes what happened between her and that friend. Something happens and we become on a whole nother level. I guess we had become naked, uh, more naked than I ever imagined that two human beings could become together. But we were naked in our skin. We were naked in our emotions. We were naked in our psyche and our secrets. And in that moment of intimacy, we bonded physically in sex, except where the sex was coming from, the generation of the sex was coming from a higher place, like spiritually, like an intimacy being expressed through the bodies. I had no lust. I didn't have any sexual desire. I, it, what, it didn't come from there. It came, and it was a moment where we both recognized that we were both in the presence of God through this union. And it was more than I could possibly imagine. I, it was complete. It was everything. Now, I can't begin to imagine what it's like to deal with this, but it's clear to me that Satori is a woman with a lot of pride. But she's also a storyteller, and she knows that sometimes the story changes. My breast began to transform into a bigger conversation and was talking to me, speaking to me, saying, in my absence, what you must do for yourself every single moment of your life is to ask for every nurturing, nourishing thing that you want. Ask for help, ask for hugs, ask for money, ask for love, ask for life. That's what you have to do. You cannot be embarrassed. You cannot have pride. You cannot have any of the barriers or limitations to receiving all that is available for you to receive. But you won't because you think that it's, it's, it's not a wicked humble. It is, the, it is grace that you do this for yourself. Just to be able to ask someone for everything that I needed in that moment. And I'm whole now. I'm whole. 
And out of that wholeness and out of uh, a new way, to transcendent way to see my life in the world, having come to terms with death and cancer and mastectomies and all of that, I broke through to another space of, huh, I'm not getting a mastectomy. There's no need. I went a whole year. There's no been no progression. I'm still in that 50-50 place. It isn't a, an emergency. It isn't even urgent. And if it does develop into the tissues, I've already faced what a lumpectomy, radiation, and tamoxifen is. I've already faced mastectomy and reconstructive surgery. But at least those treatments will meet a real need. At this point, there is no need. There is just fear. And I am saying to every woman and every man out there who has any kind of cancer, ask that your stories be changed, that you create your relationship with your body and the conversations that it's begging you to listen to so that you can educate yourself, make informed choices, because it's very easy to be afraid of dying do not want to be dead so bad that you give up living. I'm giving up having a mastectomy this year because I want to live at the highest level I can live at. And the mastectomy may or may not be in my future. But right now, I'm just happy to live and live into love. Thank you, Satori Shakur, for sharing your story. You can check out Satori's Secret Society of Twisted Storytellers at twistedtellers.org. The Beginning of the End is a production of WDET, and this episode was edited by Laura Weber Davis. Our theme is by Detroit's Duende. You can find them at duendeolay.com. And today's music is courtesy of our friends at Ghostly Songs. Big thanks to our sponsors, Axel Brewing. Based in the Detroit area, making craft beers that are a great companion to stories and good times. Check them out at axelbrewing.com. Listen, there are two ways you can show your love for the show. One is to subscribe to the show however you get your podcasts, and two is to write a review on iTunes because it directly helps the show get noticed, and you know we need to get noticed. And soon, there will be another way to show your love for the show, and it involves a little financial support, but I won't bother you with that now. More on that later. And there'll be some other exciting news, too. Thanks to our intern, Max Howard, and my name is Alex Trujano. I'm on Twitter at Detroit, and so is the show at B-O-T-E Podcast. And super special thanks to Jennifer Hickson and everyone at The Moth. And lastly, we're always looking for stories. So send us a voice memo from your phone to beginningoftheend at wdet.org. Okay, thanks. See you next time. The End. I saw the Facebook thing, by the way. Oh, you did? Yeah. And I was oh, like, will you say something about that? I will, but you know, I was, I remember, I'll say it right now. Mm-hmm. I remember like waking up that morning or whenever it was, looking through my Facebook feed, <laughs> and I see this thing, and I'm like, is that, I'm like, that's a Hershey's kiss. What is that? <laughs> <laughs> and then I looked at it again, and I'm like, because I'm on my phone, you know, it's like small, you know, like it's not like on my computer. <laughs> and <laughs> then I press it, and you know how you can like zoom, and I'm like, it's a nipple. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, Satori put her tit on Facebook. <laughs>
And then, you know what? I'd be, I'd be totally honest. I was like, that's a nice looking breast. <laughs> and I was like, I want to touch it. <laughs> and then and then later on, I went to show somebody, like a common friend, somebody we both know, and the shit was gone. Yeah. They took it down that fast. So I was like, damn, I'm never going to see it again. I, I have a picture of it on my phone. <laughs> if you'd like to reacquaint yourself with that Hershey's. 